have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. I want to insulate uh, my crawl space. And what's your opinion on putting plastic uh, on the dirt floor? Ken Patterson is a Class A licensed contractor, and now Ken the Contractor brings his years of experience to the radio. Uh, first statement I would make about crawl spaces under modern-day construction, you're going to put plastic down if you want to get an inspection. It's actually There's a section in the building code that requires that today. So I strongly encourage it, even before it was in the building code. This is something that I have always done. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? Call Ken the Contractor. Welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is here, and he's here to help you deal with issues that are important to today's homeowner. If you'd like to join us, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. I'm Joe Britton. Don't forget that you can email your questions to Ken's website, kenthecontractor.com. Many times you send me questions about basement and foundation issues, and it's not always about basement. Sometimes it's just your crawl space area, but you're noticing hairline cracks, and that's the way a lot of these questions come to me, very small hairline cracks. But we want to discuss for a few moments the difference between a hairline crack and a structural crack, and then others that I have talked with really have structural issues, and I hate to get those kinds of questions and calls for your sake. I'm happy to entertain those and talk with you, and hopefully I'm able to put you in the right direction to resolve a problem. A structural problem can be very expensive, and but if you don't deal with it, as soon as you're made aware of it, it's going to cost you more money later on than it will today. So, folks, don't put off a structural issue. I tell you, don't put off a leak issue. They never heal themselves. They do not get any better, and they do not get any cheaper. So if you have a roof leak issue, if you've got an electrical short issue, which is a life safety matter, if you've got a structural issue with your home, you want to be dealing with it now. So you mean if I just move a box over in front of it and I can't see it, it doesn't fix itself behind that you know, box? The old adage, out of sight, out of mind, yeah. is what that's how many of us live regarding a lot of things. It isn't going to happen that way. I promise you, the crack in that foundation wall, especially if it's supporting a load-bearing area, it ain't going away just because you cover it up. The other issue that I know some people unfortunately find out is they don't think it's that bad because they, they don't see it manifesting itself in some type of huge leak or, or concrete falling off the wall. But give the folks just a small thought about how much money you can be looking at. If you have to do something major structurally to a foundation, you're talking about thousands of dollars, maybe even tens and twenty, correct? You're exactly right. And I'll give you an example. This was uh, this was not someone that has come to me, but this was a story I read recently, uh, an example of an individual that has a, th- they describe it as a 30-foot center block basement wall with two horizontal cracks extending most of the wall's length. There's some small stair-step cracking at the far end. The vertical deflection is about an inch. Now that, folks, if you've got an inch crack in your wall, that is not a hairline crack. If you've got something you can slide a pencil through, if it's big enough you can slide a cat through, you've got bigger problems. But they received some quotes on repairing these areas. And it started out at $1,500 and it went to $3,150. They had three bids. So we're also going to tell you whatever you do, you want to get multiple bids. And these just ran the gamut. And they all, and typically they will because contractors, structural individuals that do repair work, they see these things differently. You need to analyze them and determine what's right. And if you're not up to speed on doing that, then you want somebody that's your eyes and ears. You may want to hire a structural engineer for their own recommendations or to oversee this work. 
But when you're dealing with this, if you notice a crack that is a hairline crack, I don't want to get you alarmed. And when I refer to hairline crack, that means sometimes you can see daylight through it. If you've got a concrete block wall and a mortar joint's cracked inside and out, just because you see daylight through it doesn't mean that your house is falling down. But in the case that I just described from this person, if that crack opens up to where it's an inch, you do have some structural settlement issues that you need to be coping with and in the near future. That's going to involve a structural engineer in my book. Sometimes it may take a geotech engineer, which is a soils engineer, to evaluate the soil. It may be the, that may be the underlying problem of your crawl space, even if you're slab on grade, because there's some of you in, in listing areas that are slab on grade. If you have these issues in your primary support wall, it is going to have something to do usually with an improperly installed footing. The wall or footing is not properly reinforced. Or, more often than not, I see that it's an issue with preparing the ground. House was built on top of soil that wasn't compacted. It was built on top of topsoil rather than clay or stone or some structurally sound compacted material. Or, in some cases, part of our uh, our listing locations, we have soil that's such where we've got tight clay in one area of the house and we're on rock in another. And the fact that you're saying, well, it's on rock, it's going to be great, and you're building on clay that ordinarily is sound, it's not because clay will still settle. It may be very minor, but it's going to settle and the rock doesn't. That by itself can create some of these cracks we see in our foundations and our basement walls. But any time a crack continues to move or open up and become quite large, that's the time you clearly need to be bringing a structural engineer and you need to be dealing with it. Chances are you're going to have some water issues by then, if not before. And if you see some bowing in a wall, that means the earth is moving laterally. That force is pushing against that wall in a horizontal fashion, and it's creating a bow in it. You're going to see a bow inward. And again, that tells you that the footing or the wall was not properly reinforced for the pressure that's on the outside, or it's not properly supported to a floor system at the top that gives it the rigidity that it needs to compensate for this earth moving against it. So there are a lot of things that can affect this. All I want you to be aware of is that if you don't pay attention to it, it's going to be a bigger problem, more dollars down the road. Now, for some of you saying, you know, I've been in this house for five years, and I noticed just a few months ago a small crack. Do I need to worry about this? I'll tell you something you can do. Find yourself, and it may take duct tape. It won't be duct tape, but some type of tape, because duct tape would uh, actually... Uh, adhere probably too well, but you want to find something that will bond or adhere to that. It could even be a string that you put a couple of small brads or nails into a mortar joint if it's block, or you can even screw it in uh, if it is uh, it's solid concrete, but something that will bridge that opening. Engineers use a particular test tape that will adhere to both sides, and if it continues to move or open, it actually separates the tape or it, it, uh, it causes it to become thinner or colors will change with some of them. But there are ways of testing this so that you can monitor and say, is this an active issue or is this something that developed that I've just noticed? Maybe it's been here for seven or eight years. So, again, I don't want you to be alarmed, but I do want you to pay attention to these things. Given the number of, of calls and emails to the website that I get on this, it was something that we needed to talk about today to make you aware of it. Well, in most cases, I think it was uh, the folks who do transmissions, AMCO, years ago, you can pay me now, you can pay me later. And, and I think as we found with our automobiles, the preventative measures that you take, something as simple as changing your oil, can add years to the life of a vehicle. Same thing with your house. Avoiding it, it just doesn't pay off. It's, it is just little items. I'll tell you, occasionally I do nothing to just take a walk around the outside of my house I, just to pay attention to things 
that I'm talking to you about today. Have I observed the mortar joints in the last several months or year? Is there something going on that I don't know about? You also, it's a good time to look at caulking around windows and doors. And you don't need a magnifying glass. Uh, if you wear bifocals like I do, just put your bifocals on. If you don't wear glasses, just put your sunshades on and walk around on a bright, sunny day and pay attention. It's the little things that will become big problems later on in most cases. So that's all we're suggesting you do. Save that money. Spend it on a vacation or some things you'll really enjoy rather than having brick and block and foundation work repaired. If you have a question for Ken the Contractor, you can always reach Ken at 1-800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Don't forget, you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. And you can always email your questions to KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Do you have a question about your home inside or out? And you can reach Ken the Contractor at 800-614-2975. Welcome back to this hour of Ken the Contractor. Along with Ken Patterson, I'm Jim Britt. Our phone lines are open and ready to take your calls and questions. Don't forget, you can also post questions to our website. That's KenTheContractor.com. But let's go back to the phones right now. Joining us next is Bob. Hey, Bob, you're on the air with Ken the Contractor. Yes, sir. It's me. Hi there. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks for calling. I, um, I've, I've done a lot of different things around. I got a house that's about 100 years old, and I've done a lot of different things to it, but I've never done any plaster work. And the walls upstairs in some places have a large cracks, and they've pulled away from the, uh, from the lath. From the lath, yeah. evidently. And I had seen on, um, a television show, and also I've read about it in some magazines, about uh, plaster um, washers and going through the drilling through and then tying, screwing down, you know, and it pulls the plaster back up to the wall. Right. And then they plaster over it. Does it? I don't see. I can't find anybody locally that does that. There are very few plaster contractors. There are a few individuals that are still knowledgeable and skilled in doing plaster work. But plaster is so expensive that very few people specify it in homes or office buildings for any reason these days. Very, very expensive process. But to have an older home like you, you've got a need for somebody that can repair that. The only thing I could recommend is you may go online and do a research uh, or search in this area and see what you come up with. But the other source that I would tend to go to when I look for a specialty product is a supplier of the raw materials in the area. In this case, you might get on the phone and call the local drywall suppliers, the wholesalers, and ask okay. for references on plaster contractors because okay. they're going to, they still sell the product to repair, redo walls in older homes just like yours. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to have a list of people that are qualified to come in and buy their product, that pay their bills. They may not be able to vouch for their work personally, but at least they know they're paying their material bills. Right. So they okay. can give you a series of names that might give you a starting point to make that repair. But plaster is something that, you know, minor repairs today, there are plaster repair kits out there that would might be fine for you to do. But if you have large areas and this plaster, which was generally applied in three coats, if it's peeling off the lath, off the structure, those are very heavy chunks. That may mean you have other issues to deal with, and you might be wasting your time just to repair cracks, only to have it fall off the wall a little later. So I think you're yeah. on the right track looking at the washers, and I know what you're talking about. But then right. see if you can hire a professional at least for your first repair, and maybe they can train you on how to do other things in the house. Okay. So that sounds good. That'll give you at least a starting point. Call local suppliers and see if they can't help you out with a source with a hands-on person. 
All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for the call. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bob. And, and you know, that is tough, Ken. When, and we've had similar calls over the years to, I would say, that are somewhat analogous to what Bob talks about, and that is you either have a type of home or you have some type of, of construction, painting, plaster that was very popular years ago that now is not cost-effective, and it's tough to find people to work on that. Well, it's a dying trade. It's been replaced by drywall, which is so easy to use. It's light compared to the plaster. And at the same time, uh, in many cases, it's something that we can do ourselves, drywall repairs and new drywall installation. So at any rate, uh, if you've got a plaster wall, you need to pay attention whether you've got big chunks falling off the wall or just little cracks you want to deal with. Give us a call. Go to the website for more information. We have a lot posted there, KenTheContractor.com. And you can also forward your questions to KenTheContractor.com. Let's take another mailbag question. Now, this one comes to us from Linda in Virginia. It says, I'm building a new home, and I'm using a 36-inch gas cooktop. My problem is what vent hood to use. It'll need to be an under-cabinet mount, uh, but the vent pipe size will not fit into any framing. My contractor has suggested using a recirculating system, but I'm unsure of this. Do you think this is a wise decision, and do the recirculating ones work well, and are they safe with gas? Well, Linda, I'm glad you dropped this email question uh, into the computer for me to pull out because, again, some of you have heard me say I tend to come from old school on a lot of things, yet I'm on the cutting edge with many others. And I believe that if you have an opportunity to vent items that should be vented, that you make that happen. And that includes a gas range, that includes bathrooms, that may include hobby areas where you could have uh, noxious gas or fumes working from things in a hobby room or a workshop. The recirculating fans work to an extent. They use a charcoal filter in those, and some have more than charcoal. They have other type filters that help pull a lot of the odors and and, and things out of the air that are being created from uh, your stove or your work area below or around you. But anytime you can ventilate that. Now, Linda, for your builder to be saying the pipe doesn't work with the framing, that may well be true, but there are ways, if you're doing an under-cabinet mount unit, to box that ductwork in through the cabinet work, through the trusses, through the sidewall. I have never been in a situation where I could not make it work as a contractor. Sometimes you'll need to get with a mechanical engineer. They might have to design a duct size that's irregular and make a transition from the particular hood. If it's a round connection uh, or a rectangular connection, you may have to change the ductwork. But you can make all kinds of transitions so that you can get the adequate discharge from that unit. And that may mean that you're doing something that's 3 inches by 14 inches wide that's in a wall stud cavity space. But there are always ways to vent this. And I'm going to ask you to challenge your contractor to find the appropriate way that's structurally sound and to get this hood vented to the outside. I'd hate to see you have to settle for a recirculating hood when you're building new and you have the opportunity to vent it direct to the exterior. If you'd like to join us, Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor, takes your calls at 800-614-2975. Also, takes your emails from our website, just like that, at KenTheContractor.com. Virginia has one on clogging the overflow drain in a cultured marble sink. I have to tell you, of all the mailbag questions we've had, I think this is the first one I've ever received that deals with the overflow drain being clogged. And what, and that's really her issue. She says, how can I clean out the overflow drain on my bathroom sink? It's totally clogged. So my guess is that maybe she's got children or grandchildren or somebody that's put jelly beans or something down there because they don't usually clog up. 
But if you get something in them, they're going to be fairly difficult to deal with. And she's got a man-made, uh, what she's calling a synthetic or a molded composition top. And so those are typically the solid surface tops that we have seen in so many of the bathrooms. These lines are only about a half inch. They may be three-eighths of an inch to a half inch in diameter. So traditional plumber snake's not going to work in those. Also, if you're trying to unclog it from the top down, you've got a sharp 90-degree turn at the high water level in the sink. So that's going to be a bit challenging. What I'm going to recommend are are three items here to you, and I'll post this to the website, kenthecontractor.com. First, either borrow or purchase, and if you can borrow it, you're better off. A quarter-inch diameter plumber snake. Now, these are more of a specialty tool because they are designed for very, very small lines. They might be used in restaurants and other areas for commercial purposes, but you're not likely to find them in every store that's out there today. But if you can borrow one, that's probably your best bet to open up this uh, three-eighths to half-inch diameter line. Uh, If you can't, and you've got something in your household that many homes do, and that is a coffee maker spout cleaner, that's going to be about 8 to 10 inches long as a rule, maybe a little bit longer. You can use that, or you can end up using a flexible test tube cleaner. Now, most of you don't have that at the house, but hobby shops and school supply shops that sell, sell science items will also carry those. And as a last resort, Pull the tail off the the trap or just before the trap in the bottom of the sink, and you can access it from down below. We hope that helps you out, Virginia. Don't forget, if you need help with a home improvement project or just a nagging problem, email your question to KenTheContractor.com or give us a call, 800-614-2975. Welcome back to Ken the Contractor. I'm Jim Britt along with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You can friend him on Facebook at Ken the Contractor. And also follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. Plus, you can email your questions to KenTheContractor.com. And you know, when you go to the website, KenTheContractor.com, right there on the front page, you'll find Ken's toolbox, popular topics. Those are some of the issues that we hear about from you, our listeners, quite often. And one of the things that we pay particular attention to is labeled accessible or it's also known as universal living. And that's one of the things that we try to address quite frequently on the program because it's becoming more and more important to many of us, particularly as we see this country graying and getting a little bit older. Demographically, that's where the numbers are going. Absolutely. And we've talked about universal living or accessible living or some it's ADA living from time to time. And as I promised you, we're just going to key in on one element periodically as we go through the show. And today we're going to talk about lever locks. And I'm talking about getting away from the round, traditional knob that you will see on your entry doors, your interior doors, bathroom doors, whatever, and making a lock set or installing a lock set that makes it so that everyone can access it. But, you're, you know, most people think, well, you know, I really don't want to be changing these things out. I don't have issues with my hands. I don't have arthritis. I, I just don't have mobility problems, so it's not an issue to me. But I tell you, folks, if you are in the thought process of changing your hardware, you're going to be doing some internal remodeling. Now's the time to do it. You will love the lever locks on those doors. And it doesn't have to be about a disability or an issue with grasping or opening those doors. They are so convenient that over the last number of years and everything that I have built, they're all lever handle locks. And it doesn't matter. Again, it's not for accessibility purposes necessarily. It is just for ease and user-friendly 
uh, access in and out of rooms. I'm going to have you define that just in case everyone's not familiar. That's the difference between the traditional doorknob. The traditional doorknob or the round doorknob and one that is no, we would say is typically a horizontal lever that you can grasp with your fingers, you can hit with your elbow, you can open with your arm. It's so easy to open if your arms are full. If you've been around these before, you probably know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, I encourage you to give it a shot. You've not only made that door accessible to just about anybody and everybody, regardless of their health status uh, or whether it's just access getting in and out, but you also add a lot of style to these. Companies like Schlage and many of their competitors that are out there have done a great job in adding escutcheon rings and trim rings and colors and styles to accentuate anything that you can imagine in your home. So think about that when it comes to universal living. They don't cost much more than your traditional doorknob. Let's take a mailbag question from Susan. She is in Reading, Pennsylvania, listens to our program on WEEU, and she's got some questions about vinyl windows. Well, she does. In her particular case, she's concerned about security, but this is going to apply to many of you that have young children, especially if you're in a two- and three-story structure that's out there. She says, I have vinyl windows and would like to open the window only about six inches, but there's no stop in the vinyl that will prevent someone from opening further and gaining entrance into my house. I have checked several places, and the only system I can find are for wooden frame windows. And again, she has vinyl. Is there something out there that I can purchase, or can you tell me how to accomplish this? Well, Susan, we have information for you. And again, I'll post this to the website, kenthecontractor.com. Typically, what we're going to find in so many of the standard retail outlets are devices made for wooden windows. They screw into a sash, or they screw into the frame, and it restricts how high above the sill that lower sash can open now this is beneficial if you're in a multi-story home especially to keep children from falling out windows because they also have a false sense of security if you have a screen in place they push against it they fall out so we don't want that to occur but for security purposes this is uh, susan's issue but there are for vital window owners there's some relief out there and i'm going to give you some phone numbers and some names again you don't have to write them down you can hit the website and find this but these devices vary to suit so many needs, and they are typically marketed. Maybe you're asking for the wrong thing in some cases, but they're typically marketed as window guards, child safety guards, and home security guards, or even window wedges. And those are, are quite popular and will work very well for vinyl windows. Now, they're also designed for sliding doors, single and double hung windows. Some of these will secure to the wall, actually screw into the wall through the drywall or the plaster into the stud that frames the windows, while others, and I don't recommend these if you're thinking about security purposes because they're not as secure, rely really on a a firm, out-of-reach Velcro or glued connection to the vinyl sash that would be above your lower one. Now, one company I'm going to mention to you that has just a huge supply for every instance I've just talked about is called Safe Home Products. And I'll post their number to my website. Another one is called One Step Ahead. And likewise, I'll post their number. Many hardware and big box stores will also carry or special order a few of these types. But these two companies I just mentioned cover, I mean, they just run the gamut when you look at windows and types and openings and protecting yourself as well as protecting children in this environment. So you want to check those out. And there are other companies out there also. These typically uh, the types that the hardware stores carry typically will screw or epoxy to a vinyl frame window and have release latches that allow you to open the window whenever you're ready above this four, six inch location. So there are many, many options out there available for you. You're going to have to do a little more looking for the vinyl windows, but check out those two locations. Go to my website, kenthecontractor.com, 
We'll have 800 numbers posted for you there as well. And, you know, this time of the year as we start to get some of the warmer weather in some of our listening areas where folks are actually starting to open up those windows with a higher degree of regularity. And I know one of the, the big problems is like first time you turn that air conditioning on, you want it to work. First time you got to crank that window open, maybe at night or something, and you realize you can't get it up. You cannot open that particular window. It's a big problem. That's when you have to start to look at possibly replacing those windows. I think some of the best money I ever spent is when I had an addition put on, had an opportunity to get some siding and also windows at a, at a great pl- price and replaced all the windows in my house. And, boy, anytime we need to open those windows, we're glad we did that. I think in many cases, at least in my experience, I'm seeing people move away from the wooden windows. I'm not telling you they're not still reasonably popular, but a lot of people – especially in, uh, I'll say, in, in my age group, middle age and older, are thinking about that. They don't want to have to paint. They don't want to deal with humidity that still has some negative impact in, in some cases on wooden windows. And they're just saying, you know, let's go to the vinyl windows because they just perform quite well over and over again. But as you see from this mailbag question, it can pose some issues. You're still having to look for some accessory items in different places. Well, I think one of the bigger issues, as we've talked about with a lot of window questions you've received, Ken, is the fact that some of them are just far more efficient than those older windows that you've had there for many years. And if you're spending money, you're going to replace the windows. You do want to look for energy efficiency. You want to look for the UV protection so that you're not fading the carpet, your furniture, your window treatments. There's so many positives to newer windows out there today that they actually create a a reasonable payback period on them where years ago they wouldn't. It was just a single piece of glass, and all it did was keep the rain out. But today they do much more than that. If you're looking for more information about windows, don't forget Ken's website. That's KenTheContractor.com. Just click on the front page at Ken's Toolbox Popular Topics, and you'll find Windows, one of the topics we talk about most often on the show. Click on that, and you'll take a look at many of the questions that Ken has answered from you, our listeners, about Windows and a lot of other related information. There's also information there on some of our most frequently asked questions, roofing, basements, windows, plumbing, siding, buying and selling a home, universal living, heating, masonry, leaks, painting, and much more. It's all on the web at KenTheContractor.com. And don't forget, you can keep up with Ken and you can friend him on Facebook at KenTheContractor and follow us on Twitter at KenAnswers. You can always reach Ken online. At KenTheContractor.com, you can email your questions to Ken. Or if you do have a question, well, all you have to do is dial our contact number. You can always reach Ken at 1-800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken the Contractor says a house is what you build, a home is what you make it, and we're here each week to help you deal with those projects, questions, and issues that are important to today's homeowner. You can always reach Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. And among the many things that Ken keeps keeps you updated on are some of these new little gadgets that are very helpful, both around the house and, Ken, around the job site. And you've got another one of those this week with our App of the Week. It is our App of the Week, and I'll tell you, for those of you that are listening to us trying to hang a picture on the wall you don't have a level you're saying how do i get this thing right but you've got a smartphone because half the people in this country i think have smartphones here's an app for you whether you've got an android based phone or an iphone and it is a uh clinometer c-l-i-n-o-m-e-t-e-r c-l-i-n-o-m-e-t-e-r now you say what is that sucker does it hang pictures for me ken what is that sucker it doesn't hang pictures no but what it'll do is tell you whether it's level or not and essentially it's a multi-phase level you can download this app it is absolutely free got one on my smartphone as i sit here in the studio today 
Use it from time to time for some quick checks. It will allow you to check everything from the pictures you're hanging on the wall. Are they level? to a countertop surface to determining whether a door or jam is plumb or level in that particular opening. And it will also, this one goes one step further, it will measure angles or degrees. So for those of you saying, and I want to, I'm doing a little remodel out here, uh, I don't want to go buy all these tools, I'm going to order some trusses, and I don't know whether I've got a, a, a 312 pitch, a 412 pitch or whatever, but that little sucker, that app right there, you put your phone up, there's going to tell you what the pitch is on that roof. Going to save you buying another tool. So anyway, load it in that phone. It's free. If you don't use it after six months, you can always drop it, but you didn't pay anything for it in the first place. Now, where do I find it again? You're going to find it. You're going to go to your app store, either mm-hmm. for iPhone or for your Android-based phone. You just go to your app store, and you're going to look up C-L-I-N-O-M-E-T-E-R. All you got to do is punch that in and do a search, and you'll find it free, available to you. And trust me, it works. I'm a contractor. I use it. I wouldn't build a 400-foot building with it, <laughs> but for quick checks, it's handy because I've always got my smartphone with me. Right. All right. And we mentioned there are different ways you can interact with the program, either uh, phone calls or leaving voicemail or leaving uh, emails at Ken's website. But you can also leave voicemails at Ken's website. And uh, Dan from Harrisonburg has one of those questions now. Let's talk about energy. I have a question about renewable energy, specifically either solar power or the thermal heating of, of a new home. As we are planning to build a home, we want to use one of these resources or both if, if it's a, a viable option, if, if it is, you know, financially sound and worth it. Dan, I'm glad you, glad you called and uh, asked this question. First, I'm happy that you're thinking a little bit about some of the options as you're preparing to build a new home. Let me talk a moment about solar, and what I want you to do is jot this down. Again, it will be on our website. Leviton.com slash solar, L-E-V-I-T-O-N dot com slash solar, S-O-L-A-R. If you go to that site, you're going to find out a lot more about a program that this one company, they've been around for more than 100 years, that they are offering in the marketplace that allows you to lease solar systems. They also sell solar systems, but they are an electrical uh, component manufacturer. And they've got a complete program available for both selling and leasing their systems and incorporating that in your new or existing home. So you're going to get a lot of valuable data there. And uh, there are other sites that you can go to and check it out. But I would certainly seriously consider some type of solar in a new home. And you have to determine whether it's right for your budget. I can't determine that. Solar and geothermal, and I'm going to talk about that in just a moment, are very beneficial to our homes, but they cost us more money on the front side. And many of us would say, hey, I'm just not willing to spend that kind of money or I don't plan on being in the house long enough to get a a payback for that investment. So I can't advise you on that, but I can give you direction until you need to look at that. Also, some of the air conditioning manufacturers today uh, have systems that are powered by solar cells. And if there's excess power, then that feeds back into the grid. So throw that in as part of your investigation when you are looking at air conditioning and heating, as well as overall solar power, other elements, hot water, what have you, for your home. Now, on the geothermal side, and I I address this periodically, if you're going to have a water well or if you've got a pond on site or you've got a constant stream with water that's flowing, you've got an awful lot of areas there that can help you make a geothermal system for heating and cooling and hot water much more cost-effective because you can capture the heat or the energy from that water source. If you have none, if you're on domestic water, uh, again, you don't have a pond, you don't have a stream, 
you're going to have to drill wells in some cases or at least install lines horizontally within your yard, bury those to a certain depth, and that can drive the price up. But I don't want to discourage you. I want you to deal with somebody that's an expert in that field. There are multiple contractors in the area that you live in that you can contact that will give you both quotes on it and tell you what's right for your particular piece of land. So investigate it before you say, hey, I'm just going to rule it out. It clearly is a viable option. You determine whether it's financially correct for you. And I appreciate you bringing that up. Well, and that's the question I was going to ask you, because that's the biggest question we get whenever folks are looking for alternative energy. And that is, will it be financially worth it? I know people look at that, and they've run some numbers on hybrid vehicles uh, as to whether or not you actually get the dollar value. If this is something you're making as a conscious decision and the way in which you want to live your life, that's one thing. There are a lot of folks, though, who are making this on a dollar and cents decision, and they want to know that if I'm going to incorporate this type of technology, particularly into a new home, that it's actually going to pay off for me, and I'm not going to end up uh, you know, paying for something that doesn't give me what I'm looking for. Yeah, and the the price is an element that turns a number of people off, especially if you compare geothermal heating and cooling to conventional heat pump system. And if you've got to drill these wells or bury these lines, you don't have an active water source that will work for you. Uh, my rule of thumb is you're going to spend about double. And it's kind of hard for folks to say, I'm going to spend $6,000 for this heat pump system, or I'm going to go out here and I'm going to spend $12,000 for geothermal. So it really is more of a conscience thing. It's also, can I afford it? But the other way to look at that when you say, can I afford it? Most home mortgages are somewhere between 20 and more often than not 30 year mortgages. You may want to assess that saying, look at the life cycle. If the life cycle of geothermal is going to be 20 years on the primary equipment and I'm only going to get 12 to 15 on the other, work that into your sheet when you're evaluating and then see really what's my payout difference as I go through my mortgage payment each month and then I'm going to have to come you know, a short cycle, put a bunch of money in later on, that's not helpful either. So it's not always just the front-end cost. You need to look at it as a whole. Well, the other thing that would honestly scare me, um, I remember there was a day when my parents bought a home in 1980, and attached to that house was some pieces of stuff that I don't know what, they they were state-of-the-art solar energy trapping and storing stuff that looked like something out of stonehenge or something i'm not sure what it was that'd be my other concern is when you're mapping your cost over all these years how much more efficient is this technology going to be in five years because we've already seen some dramatic leaps in the last couple of years well based on what i see and as, as a builder we tend to get in on these things before they hit the marketplace i try and reveal them to you and i know about them but the technology will continue to increase or improve at a very rapid pace. I've revealed to you just recently about solar shingles that actually work as a shingle and solar collection cells at the same time. They are on the market, and they're, they're being tested in certain areas. But, yeah, it, we're going to see a lot of change. All right. And we'll be here to monitor that for you every week with Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or email your questions KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Do you have questions about your home, inside or out? KenTheContractor.com is all you need to know. I'm Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor. Visit KenTheContractor.com for answers to plumbing, fencing, electrical, roofing, painting, heating, fireplaces, decks, and much more. Submit your questions or call anytime. Remember, KenTheContractor.com where folks come for professional answers.